0: You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos.
1: to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos. Today, my guest is Dr. Justin Ross. Dr. Ross is a clinical psychologist by trade and has his own practice, the Mind Body Health Clinic in Denver, Colorado. He works with everyday professionals working on anxiety, stress, you name it, and also has a specific focus on performance and works with athletes and teams all the way up to the professional level. He has a wealth of knowledge, and we really dive into the first principles and framework behind a lot of the mechanics of leadership and performance. Today, you'll hear us talk about alignment and the importance of organizations and teams having a singular common goal to aim for, how coaches and captains can facilitate better communication on and off the field, why implementing or fabricating one big event, meeting, or experience and thinking that will fix your problems as a team is problematic, how to bring conflict to the surface if it's hiding, and what the three most important character traits are to work on if you're a leader. It was really awesome chatting with Dr. Ross today, especially in these crazy stay at home times. So please enjoy wherever you are listening on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hey, Dr. Ross, thanks for coming on the Captain's Coach Podcast. Really appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today?
0: Hey, Luke, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for the invite.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, and, you know, it's great having on a sports psychologist, um, a clinical psychologist yourself, um, you know, breaking us out of the normal rhythm of just former captains, current captains and coaches. So if you could start off just by kind of talking a little bit about your your own professional experience with with mind, body and health, your own personal clinic and, and kind of that that second venture we were talking about. Uh, before the show started,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I am a clinical psychologist uh, by trade and training, uh, and I graduated in two thousand seven from the University of Denver. And we basically opened a, a clinical practice that same day called Mind Body Health, uh, which is a you know an outpatient clinical practice where we see uh, general psychological needs, so anxiety, depression, stress, life, those types of issues. Um, we work with a lot of health and wellness clients who are struggling with um it could be a wide range of things chronic pain um obesity uh new diagnosis adjustment chronic stress uh and then we do performance based work there as well um and then i do a fair amount of performance psychology work um just sort of outside of the clinic with a, a variety of different folks out here you know um whether that's one of the four professional teams here in denver or the olympic training center down in colorado springs or um, a variety of different, you know, sort of endurance based organizations throughout the country um, on my own. And that's, uh, that's a big bulk of of what I'm passionate about, and, and what I love doing in my day to day world.
1: No, that's awesome. And it sounds like you got your your hands kind of in a lot of different, uh, I guess, sectors, or branches there with kind of your clientele, you know, having a wide range from just, you know, everyday normal stress, and um, some of the psychological. Obstacles we have to get over uh, each and every day, and then obviously, like you said, the performance side of things, which will probably be where this this conversation kind of narrows down on. Um, but before we narrow down too much, what are what are some of the kind of fundamental principles that you uh, try to to pull out or or stress to your clients from a performance standpoint, um, whether that be you know your normal everyday person or with those athletes that you talked about. Um, Is there anything that really, you know, this might be a a secondary question, but is there anything within those fundamentals and and kind of framework that really encourages leadership or or different kind of things you focus on in terms of leadership? um,
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the biggest thing I preach to both performers and non-performers is uh, your mind is a highly trainable skill. And if you're not training it, it is working against you most likely. And so, regardless of the arena that you're playing in, and that could be high-stakes professional environment uh, on a field or in a boardroom um, or just in, in a household, if you're not actively working to better understand how your thoughts are impacting your overall well-being, and actively working to train that in alignment with what it is that you're trying to accomplish, you are um, you are behind. And the people who are at the top of their game again, regardless of that arena, it could be on the field, it could be in the boardroom. Um, they are working on these skills and they are going to, they're going to be ahead of you if you are not. So the starting point is right there. It's like understanding how your mind is working and understanding that it has to be trained.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And obviously that's something we preach at the captain's coach, you know, and and not just when it comes to kind of your your mental framework, but even in your athletic skills. And like you said, everyday life, you know, any skill that you're trying to develop, if you're not growing, you're dying. And not, you know, not necessarily literally dying. But like you said, if you're not actively trying to progress in any way, then like you said, it, you're probably falling back um, or, or regressing. Um, so it's it's good to hear that that's kind of the the main thing you kind of preach. And it really does start with the individual and what they're doing on a daily basis. It sounds kind of like you have uh sort of a a background in in mindfulness or um cognitive behavioral therapy is there anything any crossover between those two fields and and kind of what you uh are doing with your clients
0: yeah yeah absolutely mindfulness is a a huge part of of what we work on and what we do um i wrote my dissertation on mindfulness, you know, in, back in 2007. And so this has been a big part of my life, both personally and professionally for a long time. And it, it really is, um, it, it, mindfulness is a trainable skill as well that gives us an entry point into better understanding that cognitive framework um, and then gives us better agency to really work on making that effective. So again, so that can be in alignment with whatever goals you're pursuing in your life.
1: Yeah. 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 No, that makes, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, You know, I have a tiny little background and picked up some, some tiny tidbits of knowledge here and there uh, when it comes to the mindfulness or or resilience training that I received in the army. Um, So we'll see how often that comes up over the next uh, little bit of our conversation. But uh, I guess the next thing is, what are been some of the biggest changes you've seen in sports or performance over the last few years or decade uh, or, or something you've learned recently that's been particularly interesting to you in your field?
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing that I've seen is just um, the amount of acceptance and understanding about how powerful psychology is in the constellation of team culture and team performance and then individual performance. And every you can't find a professional organization right now that doesn't have somebody like me you know on dial or in-house helping not only their athletes but helping everybody they're understanding that this is a cultural approach the coaching staff the administration um, everybody needs to be in alignment and working on these skills um, in order to succeed and again it's it's so imperative because if they're not they're behind everybody else is using this to their advantage and it really has become sort of this Um, the way I think about it, kind of like the last big wave of understanding of getting the best out of ourselves. Um, you know, again, in the athletic arena, um, it kind of started with, with physical strength and like really, you know, implementing that. And then it became like injury prevention and recovery, and then it became nutrition. And now it's really becoming like this last wave is, is on the psychological framework and putting that to good practice.
1: No that's awesome and I and I was about to say it uh but you kind of you kind of filled everyone in there before I had the chance and something that I talked to with our founder Ben when when he started you know formulating the framework for the captain's coach was that exact point that leadership and and sports psychology piece of of leadership is really the last field of competitive advantage that that organizations and teams can try to gain and and I remember when he kind of brought the analogy to me was in the seventies, Nebraska's football team was the first football team to institute uh, a physical strength and conditioning program right. for, for their football team. And they ended up winning, it was either three championships over the next Latin the next five years. And within I think six or seven years, every division one football team had a, a full-time strength and conditioning program. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So it's great to hear, that's kind of where the sports psychology and kind of the leadership development uh, and not just kind of the, the training, but focusing on the development and the individual and how they can boost their performance, reach their highest potential from a psychology standpoint it is great to hear. Is there a average a protocol or a curriculum or, or framework that you put teams or, or players through that either systematically or specifically focuses on leadership skills or, or kind of just generally, what is that, that kind of protocol look like for you?
0: Yeah, it's, there's a general framework, but it's also very um, specific based on the team, the culture, the agency that, that, um, that we're working with, because everybody has, you know, different needs. Um, but the, the general tenets are, um, you know, like alignment with a singular goal. Right. So really coming to understand what sort of the mission statement is of the team or the agency. And you'd be amazed at how many places don't really have one or they scramble or you ask, you know, 12 guys on the field and they all have different answers. So sometimes that's the starting point is like if you're not all working in the same direction towards the same goal, it starts there. So really coming to that team unity with the mission statement is so important. We then you know we talk a lot about um, emotional regulation right so the ability to to not necessarily control your emotions but to regulate them to be able to understand where they're coming from to be able to be in command of them and to have again skills to be able to manage those things in an effort that helps you realize your goals there's a component on uh, again the mental piece, right Um, mindset training or what i i prefer to call it setting the mind um, like really being in command of how you're thinking, uh, thinking well, again, in alignment with that ultimate purpose of what it is that you're pursuing. And then there's always a, a mindfulness component. That's such a fundamental skill. And then the last piece is really this, um, you know, like relationship, um, building, right. Making sure that relationships are in formation so that again, people, agencies, teams can be successful.
1: No, that's awesome. And it sounds like a, a perfect kind of uh, uh, lattice work there or, or a framework that you could put any organization through, not just a, a sports team or, or sports organization. Um, and and I, it's interesting you say that, you know, the goal isn't always laid out for the team and, and how common it is you find that there isn't a defined goal or something everybody's kind of shooting for and has that same mindset on. And, you know, I I ask, and I'm sure I'll ask you later in the show, I ask all my guests, what's your definition of leadership? And 99% of them have some component of, you know, it's influencing your organization to, uh, in a positive way to accomplish a goal. You know, Hmm. there's not really much to lead if there's not some sort of finish line or a championship or, you know, even if it's an off the field goal, if there's nothing you're striving for, there's nothing that you can really lead towards. And if you're leading a team of individuals that all have different goals, it's impossible to get them to go in the same direction, because they're always going to be focusing on their one pathway that leads to their one end state. So it's the most important thing I think you can do as a leader before you do anything else is like you said build those relationships and then try to figure out what your organization's goal is and that's not necessarily you coming up with it on your own and telling everybody what it is but trying to understand why everyone is there and what everyone else's goals are and kind of fixing on a you know narrowing that down to one specific thing that everyone can kind of agree on Uh, so I love that you know really starting with your goal and your end state seems to be the the key when it comes to setting up any sort of uh, psychological framework m- moving forward is there is there anything specific in, in terms of leadership training that you do or or do you do anything different with individuals that are leaders in their programs or their organizations or their teams
0: it, uh, it's a great question and just to to go back one step i I think i think that's right you know this idea of we uh sort of from an outsider perspective or from like a consultant perspective we we can't come in and tell people what their goals are right Mm -hmm. that doesn't work right if i come came in and said your goal is to win a championship and they didn't really believe that or they didn't really focus on that or or want that themselves and it, it doesn't work so more than anything this is about unearthing what the culture is um within the walls already and then helping them clarify that and then work in alignment towards that. I think that that's far more important than somebody coming in and and trying to dictate uh, the direction that, that a person, a team or an organization or organization should be heading. in.
1: Yeah, for sure. And to go back again to that same point, uh, I think a lot of times leaders get put into their leadership position, whether it be, you know, take a, a team captain, for example, and they want to, completely change the way their team, their team operates. And they think they need to change the culture. That's something we hear a lot about in sports is, you know, we've really been working on the culture or improving the culture. The culture is really going to change this year. Unless you're completely changing, you know, a vast majority of your personnel, the culture really isn't going to change that drastically unless you have some sort of transcendental, transformational experience with that team that kind of wakes everybody up or jolts them or has them refocus. Um, um, and unless you do that unearthing, like you said, it, no one's gonna change their their way of acting unless there's something else that that's going on around that.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah you're right. And you, you can't, here's the hard part is you can't fake that. You know, like so many people want to, you know, wanna sort of create or fabricate this transcendental experience because they understand how important that is and yet that's not how it works it it has to happen uh naturally and and spontaneously in order for it to really have deep roots right so this idea like i I sometimes you know i I, training is important don't get me wrong but i I sometimes cringe at the idea of teams or organizations bringing somebody like me in with this idea of like oh this is going to be the guy or the workshop or the opportunity for this to really turn everything around. And it, like when people are looking at it from that perspective, it just, it doesn't work, right? It can become um, like working alongside and helping guide the process, but you can't fabricate a transcendental experience.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I like that idea as well. And I, you know, that's kind of just the, the day and age we're in, you know, everybody wants a one implementation, a one step fix to all their issues and they think, okay, when it comes to culture or this leadership aspect, it should be the same thing. But but like you said, when you bring in a person who's external to the organization to expect them to immediately make a change for you, and then you can automatically just step right back into where you were, but everything else has changed is a little unrealistic. And, and I think it's managing your expectations. Um, to kind of understand what the process looks like in really changing your culture. And I think, you know, a little microcosm of that is leaders stepping in or team captains or or coaches, whatever it is, stepping in saying, okay, I'm gonna do this one thing and that's gonna jolt everybody into the direction I want them to go instead of understanding, hey, this is a day by day, week by week, month by month, season long, process that you have to go through if you want people to buy in and like you said it can't be fabricated right it has to be something genuine because if there's one thing even bad organizations quote-unquote bad organizations or underperforming organizations are good at everybody's good at telling who who's faking it and if you're only faking it because you think the outcome is going to be good it's not going to be because everyone is going to be able to see right through you and
0: what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, there's, I, I think there's a difference between what we do and how we do. Right. And we often, we we often confuse that, um, the idea of like, I need to focus on changing a what, and if I come in and and do one what thing differently, it's going to have this big ripple effect. And I think it's actually the opposite. I I think really the, the transformation comes from the how and being committed and consistent without trying to do too much in changing the how, but just being committed to making that one tweak in how you approach things. And that could be an individual thing. It could be a team culture thing. It could be a, a, a leadership thing. It doesn't really necessarily matter always just that that becomes the focal point. It's a how skill that is disciplined and committed to over the long haul.
1: That's great. I love the, the delineation there between how we do things and and what we do and what actually is downstream of what. And and I would agree the what is definitely downstream of of the how. You know, the how is is really the the fundamentals, your your team principles, why you're doing things. And it comes back to, you know, like we said at the beginning is what is that ultimate goal we're shooting for? And and these are all kind of mindsets and kind of ideas that you really need your your Leadership at the top and and your your key influencers on the team, whether it be your captains or other individuals, to really buy into. Um, and I know we jump back, but coming back forward, is there anything specific for those captains or leaders in programs or organizations that you you do with them specifically to either get them to buy into this, understand it, or, or develop specific skills for their positions?
0: Yeah, I think one of the, the most important pieces is really awareness, right? And being able to have enough internal strength to, to look at what's happening and how it's happening from that awareness platform first, right? To be able to look at, um, at, you know, the, the entire constellation of how things unfold and what's working and, and what isn't before trying to fix it too quickly, and often, like, that's another area we run into issues with is we try to, we, if we're unhappy and we don't like the way things are, are operating or how we're playing, we try to fix too quickly before really understanding. And so if leaders especially have really good ability to generate awareness first and then operate, you know, more effectively from that position, things tend to be able to, uh, to turn around, um, you know, better in the long run.
1: Yeah, and I think that that comes back to kind of the, the communication piece. And, and because we don't always see communication as a receiving action, I think, like you said, we sometimes in leadership positions are quick to apply fixes without kind of receiving the information, generating that awareness, like you said, and kind of dissecting what these problems are at their root before we actually start treating the symptoms. Um, So I think that's a great way to start with anybody in a leadership role. Um, And, you know, we kind of talked about creating those those transcendental or transformational experiences on a team. What are some of the favorite ways, maybe one or two, that you've seen coaches or players create some of these intentional experiences to either change their culture, uh, develop more leadership on their team? That, that wasn't so fabricated or, or fake, but was genuine and organic to, to their organization.
0: Yeah, the, I, the best thing I've seen is when coaches can get out of the way, uh, you know, and when they can allow the team culture to impact how they operate rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the best coaches are the ones who are, uh, who have great awareness and who have flexibility and fluidity and being able to, um, you know, to pass down their knowledge and to get the team to work in alignment, right. Rather than the other way around. So it's not an authoritarian approach. It's uh, you, you know, it's, um, it, it's a collaborative approach where the coaches allow the leaders to lead by just getting out of the way. And now that doesn't mean to turn the team over to the leaders. I'm not suggesting that, but they need to be able to step out of the way so that the leaders can do their thing and the team culture can, can do what it needs to do in order to ultimately be successful.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that uh, that point there, Dr. Ross. And one of my favorite quotes is from Greg Popovich that a a player led team or a player coach team will always outperform or beat a a coach coach team um, yep. or a coach led team. So it, it's good there and. And like you said, it's not, it's getting out of your authoritarian way and it's being flexible and and being a facilitator, right? And that's and that's a term that I've liked to use when it comes to coaches is you are facilitating the performance on the team and you are facilitating the leadership development organically in your team. You're not you're not pressuring it, you're not forcing anything, you're not necessarily even a forcing mechanism, but you're kind of just the 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 carriage that kind of carries all this and make sure everybody stays within those left and right limits that you've set as an organization or as a team and, and kind of developing those and imparting your wisdom, make sure you're communicating with those leaders. So everybody is kind of on the same page, but, but like you said, that leadership's really coming from inside of the culture rather than, than extern externally rather. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I really like that. Mm -hmm. Is there, one or two organizations that you've been particularly impressed with that continually display or or after you worked with them and they've gone through some of these, these uh, workshops or or working with you that display a high level of player leadership and what do you think they do that allows that leadership to kind of come out year after year?
0: Yeah. I I think the, the biggest Piece underneath it is uh, is open communication and deliberate feedback, and often maybe to go the other way first. The areas that that don't work are when um, or athletes or performers are afraid to communicate how they're feeling or how, you know what they're noticing in training um, for you know a variety of reasons: fear of uh, negative comments from their coaching staff. Uh, negative appraisal, reduced playing time, whatever it may be. So without that open communication upfront, um, it can become really, really problematic. So open communication underneath it allows the pathway, again, for really good leaders and really good coaches to then to be able to tweak and modify their ability to communicate the needs of the day, the training, the long-term uh, goals that they have in a way that the athlete or the performer can then receive in a way that's useful to them. So that need for that open communication with deliberate feedback in a way that feels um, like, again, it's in alignment with long-term development is so critical. And I've seen I've, I've seen a lot of uh, great communication styles with all kinds of coach and athlete pairs um, and teams, um, you know, across ages and, and across sports. Um, and that's, again, it's something we can all work on, open communication with deliberate feedback.
1: If there was a, a coach out there who who knows and has the awareness that his communication pathways aren't as great as he would like them to be and is looking to kind of increase the flow of communication back up to him, what's one way that you know what's something he could implement tomorrow or next week uh, that that could really boost that or or something intentional he could do that that might promote that that communication?
0: yeah it's it's often um the distinction between needing needing to be heard um so often coaches feel as though i'm not being heard you know my team my athlete isn't hearing what i need to say and when when they when a coach or a leader feels that almost always the first question that they need to turn around is how am i not hearing how am i not listening to the needs of um, the people that I'm training, because that's often where the frustration comes from. They, they have a right to feel as though they're not being heard or understood, but often it's because they're not conveying um, their training, their leadership style, whatever it may be in a way that's effective for the athlete or the performer to hear and then adapt to in an effective manner.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where team captains really become crucial for a coach and how they utilize them you know the captains can't just be people that lead your stretches uh, or, or you know that, that pick your your practice uniform for the day or, or what sweats you're gonna wear. they need to be a, a tool and, and a big piece of your coaching strategy your communication strategy. so even just if you're you know you want to improve you're that coach out there that I just described, take a meeting with your captains that's specifically for them to voice their concerns to you and kind of come across to them and say, hey, look, you know, this is the message I'm trying to put out. Do you guys get that? Okay, if you guys get that, do you think that's being heard on the teams, the rest of the players, the same way that I'm, I'm unveiling it to you? And if it's not, try to pinpoint where that, that breakdown is. And And honestly, the best way about it might be, Hey, okay, here's your task as captains this week is try to get my message across that we're talking about right now to the rest of the team, whether that be a team meeting or just the, the conversations you have throughout the day or throughout practice, you know, this is where I want to get us to, and you guys are on board with it. Now let's come together and come up with a way together that, that can kind of get us on this pathway ahead. Is that similar to kind of what you're talking about or along the same, the same lines?
0: Yeah, I think you know team team leaders, team captains, have a, a really vital role of of being that bridge, right? They're embedded in both the team culture, and then they're also embedded in uh, in the culture, coach, the coaching culture, and so they have a really important role in being able to really become the liaison or the um, you know the the communication bridge between both sides of a high performing team.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, I like the word liaison or, or the term liaison for captains when it comes to the messaging and communication piece between coaches and, and kind of the, the team management and the rest of the players. You know, you really get to see, like you said, both sides of that, that performance from the management to, to the actual performance and, and operations. Um, so that's a great way to think of yourself as a captain, as a liaison of communication and, and messaging who are maybe one or two of the best team captains or maybe leaders in, in another sort of organization that you've worked with or experienced firsthand and, and what made them so successful or such great impactful leaders in on their teams.
0: Yeah. I, again, like staying with the, um you know like the skills that that i've seen with the captains that that work really well um they are uh they have this great ability to communicate effectively um without taking things personally and i think that's another really important sort of how skill underneath this all is they um they care deeply but they don't take things personally when um when something doesn't go right or doesn't go according to plan or uh, when somebody is is coming back at them with maybe a hard conversation, they have enough internal strength to be able to understand that that's part of the process. So that that's all really important. And again, this ability to navigate um, between team culture and coaching culture um, is so critical, right? So the best captains or the best team leaders are the ones who can who can do that without it really becoming overly burdensome internally.
1: And that and that really comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, with the the awareness, the mindfulness, and, and emotional regulation. You know, being able to have those conversations, those hard conversations, like you said, you know, maybe feeling a certain way about things, but then understanding, okay, this isn't personal. This is this is business. This is professional. Um, and and okay, I hear what you're saying. I understand it. And I'm gonna now figure out a way to fix that. Or move forward, or you know, take it to the the coaching staff without it, it becoming something personal between two people, or personal between you and the rest of the team. And yes, it, there may be a reflection on your leadership, but understand that's a skill that you're constantly developing, and not a reflection on you as a as an individual person, um, and, and and being able to regulate your emotions and not letting them get the best of you. And, and like you said, it's that they're the best ones are, are great at the self-expression, right? It, it, another tenet of the captain's coach we have is that leadership is is self-expression. It's being able to understand how you're heard and how you're seen and how your messaging comes across. And, you know, the second part of that was really being a good liaison between the, the coaching staff and the players. And if you're a captain and, and you feel like, You're, you're being left out of the the coaching side of things and you want to get a a peek, so to speak, a peek behind the curtain of what's kind of going on upstairs. Don't be afraid to go to your coach and say, Hey, you know, there, there's a little bit of confusion on the team of why we're doing X, Y, and Z, or, you know, I'm hearing this, this is kind of the team mentality. If, if you could give me a little insight as to kind of the background or, or the reasoning behind these decisions. I can communicate to, that te- to the team a little bit more effectively. You know, I don't wanna change anything we're doing necessarily, but I wanna be able to be there for you and be there for the team. So just sometimes all it is, is is showing your coach you're mature enough or that you have the, the mental capacity to kind of juggle those two, those two aspects of, of, of the team. Uh, so I think that's a great, great advice and a great example of what great leadership is and what the great leaders do on their teams. Mm -hmm. Is there ever been a time when you've seen uh, one of your players or or one of your teams go through a time of conflict or, uh, you know, underperformance and and what the team did or what the, the team captains or those leaders did to kind of lead them through that time and come out on the other end even better.
0: Yeah. I, well, that everybody, right. Every, every okay. team, every high performing individual is going to go through a period of dip in performance or of internal conflict. Right. I mean, we, we call the, the storming is one of the normative phases in and uh, group development. Mm-hmm. And so if, if there's not storming in some way, shape or form, or there's not conflict somewhere, that's actually when I get more nervous, right? Like, why isn't this happening? Why, why is everything seem like it's so placid? And often what you find is when it when it seems overly placid, it's because there's not enough embedded trust within the system to be able to express that conflict. And so I, I think again, the the best teams, the best organizations are the ones that have an open way of being able to work through that process of conflict because they understand it's developmentally normal for them, again, to be able to reach their peak and perform the way that they want to. Um, again, and then when that happens, often often the best approach is to let it play out without trying to, to necessarily make it better or to fix it. They, uh, they have open communication, they work on deliberate feedback, they work on realigning with, with outcome-based goals and process-based goals for what it is they're trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, no, that's interesting, you know, talking about teams that, like you said, it's a little too calm on the surface, kind of being an indicator that there might be something else brewing. And even better, I, I hadn't really thought about it this way, but yeah, that, that probably is just a symptom of a, a lack of trust or cohesiveness that, you know, there might be a group or, or an individual that has an issue or that there are conflicts but nobody has the trust to kind of openly discuss those things or or there's not the environment to bring them out without the entire system kind of collapsing um so that's interesting do you when you come across that that kind of calmness or that eerie placidness like you said is there any way that you have found successfully to to kind of bring those things to the surface or or help facilitate a a better environment to bring those conflicts to the surface?
0: Well, I, what's interesting about it is what you'll often find in, in those situations is you you can get individuals to first talk about it. And there, there's a lot of alignment in terms of what individuals are saying. And it's almost like, it can almost be like hush-hush, right? This,
1: yeah, right. yeah
0: this, is, this is what's going on, but you know, we can't, we, we don't say anything. And then you talk to person B and it's sort of the same approach. so. Often what it is, it's sort of like, I think about like, like building molecules, it's kind of a weird way to think about it, but you bind the first couple together that seem like they're in alignment Mm -hmm. and you get these small groups talking, right? Just a little bit so that they can understand that uh, they're seeing things in a similar way. And then you just slowly build that together so that you have a bigger group or um, a a bigger team meeting where you can talk about the elephant in the room. Right? It's a class around here, and here's why we need to bring this to the table, or else you know, you're know you going to get to the end of the season or the end of the run and be disappointed. And it's disappointment because you never addressed the issue in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then on top of that, when it comes to the end of the season and the season ends, everyone who's left behind is kind of thinking what what could have been, what should have been, and there still isn't really that closure, and there's always that feeling of, of that unresolvedness. and You know, obviously there's a lot of talk in, in, you know, mainstream sports and professional era sports that, you know, when a team is on an unbeaten streak, you know, the NFL, for example, and they go 12, 13, 14, 15 and 0, okay, you know, is this coach, something bad's going to happen? They can't be perfect all the way through the season. And sometimes you hear, you know, anchors and commentators, you know, say, oh, you know, you want to take the loss before the playoffs start and get it out of the way and and obviously we're not talking about a loss here but you know it's kind of that similar mindset it's better to get things out of the way deal with them as early as possible problems only get worse with time the more you let them fester the, the bigger the blow up is or the harder work it's going to be to kind of bring those to the surface without bringing down everything else so I think that's a great piece of advice is just you know trying to bring people together. And, and you know, kind of what this comes back to, like we said at the beginning, is bringing people to a common mindset and a common way of thinking towards a, a common goal. And unless you have everybody speaking the same language or seeing the same uh, common operating picture, then it's gonna be impossible to communicate and kind of put into place some of the things you want to do.
0: Well, and that's it. And that's why, you know, when we started this, the the first step is always alignment, right? And and often like you go to like an athletic, um, you know, a sports team, for example, and you ask around and like everybody will say, you're like, Yeah, the the goal is to win. Like, great. Well, nope, yep, I get that. The goal is to win, but but how far? For how long? Is it to win today? Is it to win this this week? Is it to go, you know, to make the playoffs? Is it to win the division? Is it, you know, to win the championship? Is it to be a dynasty for a decade, like I I get the goal is to win, but for, for how long, right? And that's where you often get people scratching their heads and they're like, well, I don't know, it's just to win today. Like, yep, don't get me wrong, like that process is vital. You know, how you do the little things is how you're gonna do everything. So making sure that you are dialing in high performance process for today is great. But if you don't know what the end game is, how long this is, you know, in your mind, in your culture, at some point there's gonna be a crack Right, because the guy in the locker next to you is thinking, oh, we're winning this week. And the guy two two lockers down is thinking, no, we're, we're we're trying to be build a dynasty here. Yeah. Where there's misalignment. So again, making sure that all of those things are really buttoned up. There's a singular focus, there's a singular goal. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows what their role and their job is. That's where high performing teams really excel.
1: No, that's interesting. And it kind of reminds me of you know, thinking large and operating small. And it's not only the alignment on, you know, one or two things, it's the alignment across the spectrum. Cause like you said, you got the one guy who's pumped that you, your team just got the win, but you played like garbage and you barely beat a team you should have blown out. And the one guy's happy because it's, Hey, we, we won today. That was our goal. And the guy next door is like, no, we have a lot of work to do. We shouldn't be satisfied with this. Our goal is to win the championship. Um, You know, it, this is a small example, but it really is, you know, what is our long-term goal? What is our midterm goal? What is our short-term goal? And then what are we doing this month, this week, today in practice, this particular drill? What are we doing in all those things that align with those goals that we've all agreed upon? So I think alignment, you know, if nothing else that you're going to take away from this conversation, it's really alignment of your goals and your mindsets above anything else is going to, is going to contribute to everything else that's going to come downstream from that. Mm. Uh, going to kind of the, the conceptual side of things here, Dr. Ross, uh, what is your definition of leadership?
0: So I, I think about it from, from my role in the, the work that I do. So the, sort of my self-definition for the work that I do is to leave people, teams, or organizations better than I found them. Mm.
1: No, I love that. It's it's so simple, but such a, a a powerful framework, you know, leaving organizations better than you found them. And that could that covers pretty much every base um, when it comes to what you do as a leader. And it's leaving the organization better in all of those ways that you have a, a piece in, leaving them right. better than you found them.
0: Yeah, I also think I I know it's not um, it's not completely specific, right? I know there's some like right. the idea of better than is a little bit vague, but right. for me that's intentional because I don't want to um, presume anything mm-hmm. when I'm getting to know an individual, a team, or an organization. And if it's too specific, it could be too rigid, right. right? And then maybe I miss it. Then maybe I'm not bringing awareness. Maybe I'm really not listening to what the needs are of this particular team or, or, uh, or structure.
1: No, it's great. I mean, it's leaving out the metrics so you can find out what those metrics really need to be. Um, you know, before you can even assign a value, you need to understand you know, really coming all back to that alignment um, and, and what the goals are and what they, what they should be given the, the culture and the organization. And then figuring out what your metrics are and then how you can improve those either qualitative or quantitative metrics. So I know that's a great way to think about it. And if you're a leader and I think about it this way too, it's a good example of um, a way to measure leadership. If an organization falls apart completely after the leader leaves, you know, how much better did they leave the organization than they found it? Right. Um, you know, if the organization runs really smoothly after the leader leaves or the leadership changes out, sometimes people can say, oh, that leadership, that leader wasn't that great, look how smoothly everything's running and they're not even here. And I think sometimes that's an even better marker of how great a leader can be, is that they've almost replaced themselves. They've facilitated and developed those underneath of them to kind of almost eliminate the need for them to be there. so i think that's a it's a good a good framework how well you leave the organization and actually leave it and not necessarily how good is it just because you're at the helm um, right, so right it's a great framework what do you think maybe one or two of the biggest responsibilities are of a team captain
0: yeah well i think um there's a couple that come to mind i, I think you know and and we've we've talked about these in various ways already i think clear communication between mm-hmm. Uh, team culture and coaching culture. So becoming that liaison between the two. I think a, a responsibility of a team captain is really not to take things personally, yeah. right? They're in this position of, of leadership for a reason. And that's one of those responsible traits. And then I, I think the last one is that they're responsible for shaping the team culture through um, through their action and through their approach, both on and off the field of play and whatever that arena may be.
1: No, that's great. And I think, you know, we kind of hammered that communication piece uh, pretty good throughout the conversation. Uh, but again, that last piece really being the example, you know, we always hear lead by example, lead by example, but really embodying what you want your culture to be, where you want the culture to get at. If you are acting in every way embodying and and kind of really taking it in and emulating that in all of your actions nobody can really go against you at least when it comes to your actions on and off the field right Um, you know they may have problems with your communication or you know how you address certain issues but if you're acting as an individual in every way the culture is aimed to be at no one can ever have a problem with you and if nothing else you know you can say just you know do what i'm doing try to emulate me and you're leading by example. And that's one of the best things you can do as a leader. You know, that's why lead by example is such a, a overused and and quote unquote cliche term. Um, right. That does reign true. Um, Absolutely. Is there any other advice that you have for coaches or players or captains that are really trying to develop leaders in their programs or, or kind of develop their own leadership skills? Because, you know, just like everything else we've talked about, Leadership is a, is a trainable skill that you need to practice and work on every day. So what right. advice you have for, for those out there?
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's this idea that we have, you know, there's kind of five broad personality traits, depending on if you want to go down sort of that theoretical rabbit hole for a minute. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, the three that really make the most sense um, are willingness, openness, and conscientiousness. Right, and in order to be able to become a great leader, and sometimes becoming a great leader is just being able to lead yourself to your own your own goals and your own endpoint. You have to be able to have those three skills, right? And without that, if you're overly rigid, if you're um, if you're not open and you're not willing and you're overly anxious, um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for you to lead yourself. It's going to be tough for you to to lead a team or an organization.
1: No, I love that. And those are, you know, when you when you talk about leadership skills or, or characteristics, you know, it really is kind of a, a personality balance. And the willingness, openness, conscientiousness, I love because another tenant we have at the cabinet's Coach is that leadership is an art. And kind of those three traits in, in a person, if you have all three of those, the chances that you can kind of navigate a balance beam of emotions, reactions, communication types, you know, you're going to be flexible. You're going to be willing and open to try new things. You're going to be aware of your own actions without being, like you said, overly anxious or or worrisome about outcomes, you know, the the more likely you are to take your your natural tendency and maybe put that aside and move yourself down to to another end of, of kind of the spectrum on on some of your reactions and how you deal with things. So I think that's a great piece of advice for, for both captains and, and coaches um, and anybody really that's in a leadership position or part of a team, you know, those three skills, I couldn't agree with you more, are, are kind of the, the top traits that, that you should focus on developing more of and, and being more flexible
0: and aware. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree.
1: Yeah, and it's been great talking to you, Dr. Ross. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But before you go, is there a a book that you often find yourself recommending to clients or or players or coaches on on leadership or coaching or just you know sports psychology uh, in general?
0: Yeah, I, I think you know again, like kind of following up on, on what you just said, I, it in terms of a book recommendation, I think. Um, You know, I'm not a big fan of books that are sort of mechanical, right? Do step one, then step two, and boom, hops out a great leader. I I think more in terms of looking at books that have great principles and, um, you know, really great underlying tenets of what makes for a great leader. And I think one of the the best books out there is um, by Seth Davis on John Wooden, just called Wooden, and it's uh, a coach's life. It's about his story and coaching, you know, the UCLA Uh, basketball dynasty and just his principles and his foundation for how he lived and how he thought about development of human beings and his athletes. It's, it's a great book. It's well-written. It's really timeless. I think that's, what's great about it.
1: No, it's a great recommendation. And, and I'm in the same boat as you, you know, the mechanical, how to the guru with the answer on, on all the steps to go through. You know they're they're good for the concept building and and, and kind of understanding the science behind it. But when it comes to how to apply it, you know you're not going to get any better any better example than than Coach Wooden for sure. But in general, books that kind of outline how people coached, how people played, how people led in their own stories, it really shows you how they've they applied those principles and, and kind of how they they show through their actions and and you know has the the tangible outcomes associated with those actions right it's a a great recommendation and i appreciate it yeah Um, my pleasure yeah but like i said i I don't want to take up too much more of your your afternoon here doc and um i just appreciate having you on the show and i'm sure our listeners got a lot out of the conversation i know i did um so just thanks again for for coming on the captain's coach
0: yeah luke thanks for having me on i appreciate the invite and uh, it was great talking with you Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulos. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.